0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Happy Mother's Day to all of the mums here this morning. Today is my very first uh, Mother's Day and I have been spending some time trying to think about what uh, Mother's Day traditions I would love uh, to create for our family. And in doing so, I've spent some time thinking back on how I used to celebrate Mother's Day as a kid. And uh, Dad used to give us five bucks and we'd go to the Mother's Day stall at school and pick out something that Mum probably didn't want but won't throw away because it means a lot. And maybe you received something like that as well. But me and my sisters uh, would celebrate uh, Mum on Mother's Day. And there were some rules around how we did that. I've got a photo of me and my sisters Um pretty grainy. Uh, I am the eldest of three girls and I think it's true what they say. Like mum and dad probably have four photos of us from 1997 and I have about 1997 photos of Zara from the last four weeks. Um, and mine are a lot clearer than that. But uh, these are my sisters and I, don't e- I couldn't even find a photo of when we were kind of primary school um, age when uh, this happened in our family. But we would all get up early on Mother's Day ready to make mum breakfast in bed. We would uh, gather in the kitchen, dad would get us up and uh, often we'd make a piece of toast and I remember dad would have to cut it into three pieces and we'd each pick a spread and so poor mum ended up with like Vegemite, peanut butter and jam, like, That's awful, like poor mum, right? Um, And uh, we would walk in and we'd pick a flower from the garden and we would have made a cup of tea for her. Like who wants a cup of tea made by a seven-year-old, right? Like it probably was cold, too much milk, the tea bag wasn't in for long enough, but we would all walk in together, we'd give mum her breakfast in bed and then we'd have to leave her in peace. And we'd all go back out and dad would get us ready for church with all the clothes that mum had picked out the night before, because there's no way dad was going to be able to help us pick uh, what we were wearing in the morning. And our dad would get us ready and he'd gather us together and he'd say, all right, girls. It's the one rule you need to follow for Mother's Day. Today, all I need you to do is keep the peace. Right? Dad was encouraging us that for the entire day, he didn't want mum to have to be an argument umpire. He didn't want mum to have to break up any fights. He didn't want mum, or him really, to, uh, to have to worry about keeping the peace themselves. Instead, They wanted us to keep the peace. And so we'd all kind of like nod our head and be like, yeah, sure, dad. And then we'd hop in the car and fight over which radio station to listen to. We'd get to church and argue over who got to sit next to mum at church because surely mum's gonna give up her cookie because she's selfless, right? And uh, we would continue the quarrelling about uh, who would get to line up for morning tea first after church. We'd get home, argue over uh, what to watch on the television. There was no way the three of us could keep the peace for a whole day as hard as we tried. Now, we were siblings that knew exactly how to stir each other up. Um, I don't have brothers, so we weren't very like physical uh, wrestling, but we knew how to use our words uh, to, to stir each other up. And it was difficult for us to keep the peace. It was impossible. As hard as Dad tried to gather us together on the morning of Mother's Day and give us one rule to follow, Year after year, we failed to keep the peace. And if you're a parent in this room or maybe a teenager, I'm sure you can relate to this idea of asking to keep the peace between siblings. You know, all of us have been in situations where we have had to be peacekeepers. This is because all of us have experienced times of conflict. We know what it's like to be in tense times with others that result in disagreement. You know, in our relationships, in our marriages, in our families, in our friendship groups, in our workplaces, we can struggle to find peace. Humanity as a whole has struggled to find peace. In the last 3,400 years of recorded human history, in only 8%, Of those years, have nations not been at war? You know, often in times of tension and conflict, our default mode is to keep the peace. You know, maybe you have had to keep the peace on Christmas Day when you are sitting with your in laws and you really want to say what you think, but you decide to bite your tongue and kind of serve yourself another serving of trifle instead because you just don't want to rock the boat. Or maybe you've been at a meeting at work and there's something that you want to say, you really want to share your opinion and it might counter what others are saying and suggesting but you just can't bring yourself to say it because it's easier to keep the peace. You know, mums, I am sure many of you have had to keep the peace between your kids. You know, it's the afternoon, fights are breaking out and you are looking at the clock counting down till bedtime Because you know then you get a moment of peace until it all starts again tomorrow. You know, who in the room loves conflict? I don't think any of us love conflict. In fact, uh, when you do those kind of personality conflict tests, I personally always come up as a turtle. Because for some reason, personality and tests always have to involve animals. And a turtle is an avoider. They hide in their shell. When there are times of conflict, that is me. I avoid. I hide away. I do anything I can to disappear and hope that it all kind of just gets resolved around me. You know, Maybe you too avoid conflict. You hide away from conflict. You will do anything you can not to be involved. You know, others of you might be more assertive or aggressive when it comes to conflict. If that is you personally, you scare me and I just kind of get in my turtle shell. You know, for some people, they enjoy conflict not because they want to resolve things, but because they want to win. But none of us enjoy strains in our relationship. None of us enjoy when conflict causes hurt upon us and others. Often when we think about peace, our first response is to find it through peacekeeping. It's how the United Nations goes about it, right? Send in the peacekeepers. Just try and keep everything at bay. Just try and keep things peaceful, peaceful, not necessarily address the root of the problem or what might be going on, but just, just keep the peace. You see, peacekeeping is easy. Peacekeeping keeps the conversation light, it sweeps things under the rug. Peacekeeping tries to keep the status quo. And today, as we continue our Beatitude series, we're going to take a look at what Jesus has to say about this. Because what he had to say was radical and countercultural for the time, and it is today for us too. See, Jesus hasn't called us to be peacekeepers, but actually something that is quite the opposite. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he describes and identifies the characteristics of a Christian who is seeking life as a disciple. And at the start of his most famous sermon, he lists a group of beatitudes, which is derived from the Latin word "beatus," meaning blessing and happiness. And the way to happiness is completely at odds with the message of this world. See, Jesus is speaking to a group of people about how they should and can see the world differently now that the kingdom of God is near. And instead of spending their life straining and trying and striving to become rich and famous and powerful and influential and strong and victorious, Jesus wants us to see that blessing and happiness is found in a completely different place. These statements are a declaration of a new kingdom reality. Jesus is turning things on their head. His kingdom reverses and turns upside down something that we have been uh, so a part of in this world. You know, we can see throughout the Old Testament that humans have struggled to have and find peace. You know, there are stories of whole nations and tribes at war against each other. There are stories of people that are experiencing conflict in relationship. And Jesus had something to say about peace and how it can lead to happiness and blessing. So we're going to take a look at our beatitude for today. And it's found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. It'll be on the screen behind me. It says, Blessed are the peace. Makers. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Blessed means happy and fulfilled. So happy and fulfilled are the peacemakers because they will be cho- called children of God. Notice that it doesn't say, Blessed are the peacekeepers. It's not those that keep the peace that will be called children of God, it is those that make peace. Peacemakers are not peacekeepers. See, peacekeepers stay silent and peacekeepers avoid. Peacekeepers ignore, they hide away from what is going on around them. And peacekeeping does nothing to address the things that bring division, but does everything to make sure that the status quo remains. Peacekeepers minimize conflict even at the expense of restoration. Whereas peacemakers, which is what Jesus is speaking about here, are people who are willing to move beyond peacekeeping and reducing the peace, and uh, sorry, reducing conflict to bring about restoration. The focus is on restoring relationship, not just reducing the conflict. In Hebrews 12 verse 14, it says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Make every effort, do everything you can to live in peace. You know, peacekeepers may at times look like peacemakers when they've got everything under control and things are cruisy and going well. But only one group is experiencing true peace. To live in true peace with everyone, we need to make peace. We need to make every effort, not just to keep the peace, Not just to make every effort to avoid conflict, but make every effort to live in true peace. You know, we then read in 1 Peter 3.11, it says, They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. Peacemakers seek peace. They go after it. Where keeping the peace involves minimizing conflict, making peace involves seeking it and pursuing it even in the light of conflict. Because the ultimate goal isn't to reduce the conflict. The ultimate goal is whole restoration and reconciliation. You know, we can't be peacemakers by avoiding conflict. And as much as I personally wish that I could stand here today and say, just be a peacekeeper, that's what Jesus calls us to do. It's not. Instead, we need to engage and converse and work for reconciliation and restoration. You know, maybe you find this just as hard as I do. Maybe you are someone who avoids conflict. Maybe your way of peacekeeping means that the other person might not even know how they've hurt you because you have just bottled bottled it up inside. You've just tried to hide it all in. Now, if you are used to peace, keeping the peace at the cost of restoration, my hope is that you will understand what Jesus is saying to us here and that together we will be challenged that living as a disciple of Jesus won't always involve doing what is easy. So we know peacemakers aren't peacekeepers, but what is a peacemaker? See, peacemaker is a word bursting with action. Right? Peacemakers make peace. They create it. They form it. They make it. There is action involved. And there's a clue to this later on in Matthew chapter 5, still a part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. In verses 43 to 45, He says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Our God is a peacemaking God and we as His children need to be peacemakers. And that requires action. You know, as it says here, we need to love our enemies. You know, what Jesus is saying here is radical. Radical. He's not telling us that we just need to love our neighbours or those that, you know, see life the same way as us or those that live near us or those that love us and, you know, are easy to love back or maybe see uh, the world the same way as us. Instead, Jesus is saying, love your enemies. And I reckon for some of us that have been around church for a while, it's easy to breeze past this passage and go, well, that's not me. I don't have any enemies. You know, personally, I have probably haven't used the word enemy in my vocabulary since I was in grade four and we'd all list out our best friends and our enemies at school. But, you know, as an adult, I'm not regularly referring to people as my enemy. It's not really a part of my language. If I was to ask you today, who is your enemy? Maybe you'd struggle to bring people to mind because there's no one in your life that you identify as an enemy. But I don't think Jesus is using this word for us to brush on over it. I actually think that there's something in this for each one of us. See, the Latin root for the word enemy is the word inimicus. In, meaning not. And amicus, meaning friendly. Not friendly. Not amicable. You know, meaning the presence of discord, division or conflict. I want to ask you today, are there people in your life where the relationship is not friendly? Where there's discord or division or hurt or pain or conflict? Maybe you won't refer to those people as your enemies, but when Jesus is speaking here, they are the ones he is talking about. They are the people he is wanting us to extend love to. Those that may seem like they're really hard uh, to extend love to. When Jesus says, love your enemies, He is talking about that person that you are in conflict with in your workplace. He is talking about that family member where there might be strained relationship and hurt. He is talking about uh, that person or that friend that you know, that there's been division because of differences in opinion. Peacemaking requires that we disagree in love. Peacemaking requires that we speak up in love. It means not just loving those that are easy to love, that are like us. It means loving those that are harder to love. Loving those that are different from us. Loving those that where there may be division of relationship. It means making the first move to reconciliation, not because it's easy, but because it is what we are called to do as followers of Jesus. It is how we show love. You know, you only need to spend a few minutes in the comments section of a a controversial post on Facebook to see that we as humans are different. We have different opinions. There is division uh, between us. But as followers of Jesus, we need to be united and show love. That doesn't mean that we need to agree or do things the same as others, but we can still extend love whether or not the person has the same views as us or not. I want to speak to the mums in the room for a minute. This became so evident to me uh, when I uh, announced that I was having a baby. People, um, when you say that you're pregnant, just decide to give you lots of opinions, and. Uh, I remember being asked multiple times and in different conversations with friends and with co-workers, people would ask so many different questions and then give their opinions and they would feel like it would be heated discussion sometimes if I was choosing to do things differently from how others had done them in the past. You know, it became, are you going public or are you going private? Are you having a medicated birth or a non-medicated birth? And then the baby's born and the questions continue. There's this division uh, that happens between mums. You know, are you going to breastfeed or formula feed? Are you going to co-sleep or are they going to sleep in a room down the hall? Are you Are going to feed them purees or are you going to do baby-led weaning? You know, it's funny, but these questions have been things that have consumed my mind over the last 12 months. And they're things that have caused division between mums in history. Now, they probably looked a bit different a decade ago and the decade before that because times change. But it's sad to see how as women and as moms, we can come up and find division in relationship because we choose to do things differently. And I was pregnant, I was talking to a friend about this and she uh, has two kids that were a little bit older and she's like, oh, it doesn't stop. And I was like, what? I thought I'd just have the baby and it'd all get easier. And she's like, no, my kids just started school and the question is private school or public school? You know, and it continues as they grow up. Do you give them a phone at 10 or do you give them a phone at 15? Do you let them date in high school or do you ban them from dating in high school? You know, these are questions that I'm going to have to deal with in the future and I'm really grateful that I don't have to now. But some of you have been walking through this. You know, these things cause division in relationship. They cause conflict and tension. But we have to remember That as moms, we are making what we think is the best decision for our kid. It is how we show love to them. And it might be different from the person sitting next to us. It might be different from the person in our moms group or that Facebook uh, group that we might be a part of. It might be different to the person that we might be sitting across from uh, at the dinner table at a family event. But if we let our differences of opinion and how we choose to do things for the people that we love be the thing that causes division amongst us, then we are not following Jesus' instruction to be peacemakers. We have to stand together, we have to unite together and extend love, just as it says, love your enemies. It means love the people that are choosing to do things different from you. Love the people that might raise their child different from you. Jesus warning us to extend love. Not move, uh, sorry, not be in a place of judgment, but be in a place where we can extend love. Peacemakers love, and another thing that they do is peacemakers pray. Just as Matthew wrote in verse 44 of chapter 5 love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So not only do we need to love those we are in conflict with, but we also need to pray for them. Isn't this hard? What Jesus is saying here is not an easy command or instruction for us to follow. He's not saying just pray about the situation where there's conflict. He's saying pray for the person where there's conflict. Pray for the person where there's hurt. Pray for the person where there is division. Now, when we start praying for people, when we pray a blessing over them, prayer changes things. Prayer changes our hearts. God does something when we are praying blessing over a person. Now, when was the last time you prayed for those who persecute you? When was the last time you prayed for that person that you might be in conflict with? When was the last time you prayed for that person that frustrates you in your workplace or that you have differing opinions with? When is the last time you prayed for that family member where there is strained relationship, not just praying for the situation, but praying blessing over their lives? There is something about the process of praying a blessing over someone who has wronged us or we might be in conflict with that changes our hearts and helps us to see God or to see them the way that God sees them. You know what? No wonder Jesus said, "Pray for those who persecute you." Peacemaking requires action. It is not passive. It involves doing, and peacemaking requires prayer. It means praying for those who persecute you, not just praying for the situation, but praying. Uh, blessing over the other person or other people involved. Peacemakers love, peacemakers pray, and peacemakers forgive. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 15, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. If Jesus is calling us to be peacemakers, we need to be people who forgive. You know, this can be hard in relationships with others when people have wronged us or done something that has hurt us. When we are in peacekeeper mode, we can be guilty of harbouring bitterness towards those that have hurt us. And just pushing it down and trying to move on. However, when we step into peacemaking, we need to turn our hearts towards forgiveness. We can't make peace and harbour bitterness at the same time. The two things don't go hand in hand. We are called to bear with one another. And if we have grievances against someone, we need to forgive. Peacemakers forgive just like the Lord has forgiven us. That isn't forgiveness with strings attached, right? We know that as followers of Jesus, that's not forgiveness with strings attached. That is true forgiveness. You know, I've seen this to be true in my own life. When I was a teenager, there was um, someone who came and lived with my family, they became part of our, our family unit. My family saw this person as another member of our family. And they did something when I was a teenager that brought a lot of hurt, um, emotional hurt towards my family, but particularly to one of my sisters. And the relationship between this person and my family was completely broken. You know, my family who had extended love and kindness to this person in their time of need we're now experiencing hurt and betrayal. You know, I personally held a lot of bitterness and anger uh, towards this person and the whole situation. And it happened at such a defining time uh, in my teenage years. I was 15 or 16 years old. It happened at such a defining time that it actually changed the way I viewed men uh, for a while. It I really thought that what this guy had done to my sister and the way that he had hurt her was how all men treated women. And I remember, um, especially my late teenage years, feeling so hurt and bitter. There was so much conflict and division uh, in that relationship. And uh, I've, in more recent years, had to see this person um, around and actually um, see a family member of theirs more often. And I knew when I saw this family member for the first time, it had been like a decade since I'd seen them, that I had to do some work in my heart. Like there was not peace about this situation. It was causing me not to sleep properly. It was causing me uh, to feel really anxious. And I uh, had to work through that because what I was feeling was not peace. And uh, my dad was the ultimate example of peacemaker in this situation. You know, I watched him love and forgive this person that he had accepted in like a son. This person that has hurt his daughter, I saw my dad love and forgive him. I saw my dad extend generosity to him beyond what I thought this person deserved. My dad went out of his way to show love. And it was because he knew he needed to make peace with the situation. If he was to harbor bitterness and hurt like I'd be doing I had been doing, my dad knew that there was gonna be no peace. And so in more recent years, I too have had to uh, work through that. I've had to extend love to this person and a family member of theirs that I see more regularly. I've prayed for them. I've had to pray blessing over them as hard as that was. It was like I was wanting to just hold my tongue. I had to pray blessing over them and God has slowly changed my heart and in the end, I had to extend forgiveness. My dad was the ultimate example in that. He did not need to do that, but as a follower of Jesus, he knew that he needed to make peace. Peacemaker's love, Peacemakers pray, peacemakers forgive. And Jesus is the ultimate example of a peacemaker. He is the mentor that we can look to. He is the greatest example. In fact, he was given the name Prince of Peace. You know, we can look at the life of Jesus and see that He was not afraid to make peace. He engaged in conflict to bring about peace and reconciliation. He challenged religious leaders. He confronted sin. He questioned the disciples. He preached despite persecution. And in the midst of the tension, He was able to set people free, to show them the true way, to save lives and to give lasting peace. Where peacekeepers keep warring parties apart, peacemakers bring them together to work for peace. And this is exactly what Jesus did. He came to build a bridge between God and humankind. Where sin kept us from God, He stood in that gap. He sought peace and reconciliation and made peace through the greatest sacrifice so that we could know the presence and love of God each and every day. Colossians 1.20 says, And through Him to reconcile Himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. It is through Jesus that we have the power to pursue peace in all circumstances. Our Beatitude today says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. When we pursue peace in all circumstances, through the power of Jesus, we will be called sons and daughters of God. God is a peace-loving and a peacemaking God. God. We can find happiness and blessing as His children when we too seek restoration and reconciliation with God's people, when we too are peacemakers. 2 Corinthians 5 18 to 20 says, All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry. The ministry of reconciliation is what we are each invited into as children of God. It is where we will find happiness and blessing. It involves loving all. It involves praying for those who you are in conflict with. It involves forgiving those who have hurt you just as the Lord has forgiven us. It means making peace, not just keeping it. It means pointing people to Jesus means the ministry of reconciliation sits on us as the children of God. Jesus is challenging us in this beatitude to be peacemakers, to follow in His example, to pursue Him and to point others to Him, to seek peace in all situations because it is in that space that we will experience happiness and blessing as children of God. Jesus loves, Jesus prays, Jesus forgives. So what does it look like for you today, tomorrow, this week, next month, for us to be people who are peacemakers? It means extending and showing love to that person who may have wronged us, who we don't see eye to eye with. It means praying for that coworker that we might be in conflict with. Not just praying for the situation, but praying blessing over them. Now it means seeking restoration and reconciliation even when it's hard. And it means forgiving those who have hurt us. Forgiving those that we might be in discord or division of relationship with. And forgiving them just as the Lord has forgiven us with no strings attached. What does it look like for you in all the spheres of your life? to find yourself in a position to be a peacemaker. Peacemakers love, peacemakers pray, but peacemakers are not always peace achievers. I think this is really important for us today. Attempts at peacemaking can sometimes fail. You know, you might be able to think of times in your own life where you have tried to make the peace within a relationship or with a family member and it just hasn't happened. But it wasn't through lack of trying. See, the Bible affirms that a person is responsible for their efforts to promote peace, not their ability to achieve it. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you. We need to be able to stand before God and say, I have done all that I can do. I have tried. I've attempted. I've tried to bring reconciliation. Like it says in 1 Peter, I have sought peace and I have pursued it. I have shown love. I've prayed for the other person. I have forgiven. You know, this verse isn't an excuse. It's not a get out of jail free card to say, well, I'm not even gonna try making peace because I might not achieve it. This is actually an acknowledgement that in some circumstances, peace won't be achieved. But Jesus isn't telling us not to try to make it. He is telling us to be peacemakers. As far as it depends on you, do everything you can. Have a go and have a go again. Sacrifice, don't seek personal gain. Don't just try and protect your relationship, but seek peace and pursue it. Live at peace with everyone. Peacemaking will not always be easy. Maybe sometimes not even possible. However, we are still called to pursue peace and we have the ultimate peacemaker mentor that we look to in Jesus. A peacemaker longs for peace. They work for peace. They sacrifice for peace. Who do you need to make peace with? Who in your life? What situations, what relationships, what things in your past do you need to extend love into today? Who do you need to pray for today? And who do you need to forgive? Imagine the harmony of our families, our marriages, our workplaces, our neighbourhoods, our relationships. If we stepped into each day as peacemakers, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. There is happiness and blessing and freedom in peacemaking. It is peacemakers that will be called children of God. Don't we wanna live as children of God? We need to be peacemakers in all spheres of life. We need to be peacemakers in this church family too. we need to love and pray and forgive just as Jesus loves, prays and forgives. For it is then that we will be called children of God. We need to be peacemakers outside these walls and we need to be peacemakers inside these walls as well in relationship with one another in church family. We are gonna do life differently. We are gonna make different decisions. We are going to see things differently. But we can be united in the way that we love, the way that we forgive and the way that we pray. You know, we need to live in unity as one together so that when people come through these doors, they can experience God's love and peace because this is a place of peacemakers. Who is it you need to extend love to today? Who is it in your life that you need to pray for? And who is it in your life that you need to forgive? Who do you need to make peace with today? We'd love for you to all stand